There's a war going on. And God, we praise you that you are victorious in the midst of this battle and that you have become a shelter and a refuge for all of us, Father. We thank you that your will be done, O God, on earth, even in and through us, even in these days, that your will be done, that your kingdom come. And Father, we thank you that it is and it will, and nothing will prevail against you, Lord God. Nothing, no plots, traps, no... uh, snares, no setups, no satanic devices will prevail against you, Lord. And we thank you for that. We thank you for Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for coming as a baby, for coming to the earth, Lord, for uh, humbling yourself to become one of us, to be with us, to give us the word, give us the promise, give us the hope, the kingdom, uh, truth of the kingdom of God. Thank you, Lord, for giving us that hope of eternal life. Thank you, Jesus, for also giving us salvation, for dying on the cross for us, for purchasing that, um, that home in heaven, for giving us power over all the power of the enemy, for backing us up in that power. He said, you said, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt us. So let that authority and that power flow through all of us today in a mighty and powerful way, something so powerful, Satan cannot even stop it, Lord God. And we thank you that no weapon formed against us will prosper, that no word said, no deed done, no action taken against us, no devices, no attempts to break our relationships or or give us sicknesses or defeat us in our eternal salvation or in our calls. Nothing will prevail against you, Lord God, in your work and purposes for us. So we thank you for your wisdom. We thank you now for giving us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to receive the tremendous message and revelation of your love for us. Amen. Here we are, right before the birth of Jesus Christ. We're studying, thinking, pondering, meditating on the true spirit of Christmas and the, and the Christ child, the child that was to you and has been born. So today we're going to be talking about some of the more unusual aspects of Jesus Christ coming to the earth as a child, even as they were foretold before in the books of Isaiah. and Genesis also talked about the coming, that the seed of the woman was going to crush the head of the serpent. Yeah. And there were prophecies all through the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, and then uh, in Isaiah, Isaiah is prophesying about some other uh, contemporary issues, political yeah. issues mm-hmm. and moral issues of the day. And then all of a sudden he bursts in, in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So That's amazing that we have got such a remarkable and, and, and accurate and confidence uh, words spoken uh, about something that is going to happen in the future that is and actually this prophecy has the beginning and the end it talks about the beginning of the birth of jesus and you know a child is born and then it talks about the zeal of the lord at the end is going to perform this because he's going to be the government 
the ultimate government is going to be upon him and upon his shoulders. So the prophecy covers both the beginning and the end of Jesus' coming, his first coming and second coming. Well, it even talks about, you know, yeah, it's, it's past, present, and future aspects here. And this is 3,000 years before, right. you know, from, from where we are right now. Mm-hmm. And, and so... Well, the, the, you know what? The, the, the thing about a promise is, especially a promise, promise that's made, like this is at the middle of the promise. The a first prophetic part, promise. Yeah, was a given. Prophetic promise, actually, yes. the devil was the one who first heard the promise. When God said to him in the garden, yeah, you think you got this. Well, I'm going to use the woman. I'm going to bring a seed forth from her that's going to crush your head. So the very first, I call Jesus, one of my favorite t- titles for Jesus is the head crusher, mm-hmm. you know, um, because he had to crush so many of the demons, heads and Satan included, to get to, to complete what he was called to do. But anyway, but this is, it's hard to live with a promise for so long that's not been fulfilled. And the people had given up. They had lost hope. They had went back to their old you know, well, it is what it is, kind of lifestyle world and Romans coming in and, you know, all kinds of brutality and oppression. And I think at this point in time where Jesus actually was born um, was one of the low points actually in, in human history. Well, you think it's a low point for Israel because it had been about 400 years before they'd had a real strong prophetic word. You know, Malachi, I think, was basically the last prophet. Mm-hmm. And basically, you know, they they lived, and we live too, by prophecy, by the mm-hmm. the, the, the word of God that right. is declared. And, so and it's been for. a mm-hmm. long, long period, hundreds of years, mm-hmm. uh, without a strong prophetic word. And then then they're under the oppression of the Romans. They're in uh, they're an occupied territory, uh, very oppressed. There were some uh, rebellions that were in the making in that what we call the uh, intertestamental period between um, Malachi and the birth of Jesus. So there was all this um, fa- mess, failed mess. coups, yeah. military coups. There were all kinds of uh, well, religious groups that were established that were, for the most part, totally missing the mark well, as far as yeah. what God required and what God's desire was for the people. The morale of faith was at its lowest, I would say, because um, what's there left to believe in? God had sort of a p- departed. There was had been no word, like you said, for many hundreds of years. And then all of a sudden we have this the, the, the astonishing report of the angels to the shepherds in Luke. And um, it, it, it's just like out of the literal, out of the blue, out of the night sky, after we have these um, announcements made, of course, to Zachary, Zachariah and Elizabeth and Mary, and even um, to Joseph, that this child was, to, you know, going to be the son of the Most High, and all all that, we find that they were forced through circumstances and through the timing of God to be in Bethlehem at the exact moment when Mary had to deliver her baby. So this prophecy was absolutely fulfilled through the the. I don't know if you could use the word manipulation of circumstances because God doesn't manipulate, but through the ordering of the circumstances, everything was timed out exactly as the Almighty God, the one who created time, had declared it would be. In Galatians, it talks about in the fullness of time, God sent his Son. And so, yeah, everything ordered. I mean, the decree of Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered it was a census had, had a census mm-hmm. for the purpose of taxation so you had taxation you had a you had evil government 
You've who had, was actually you, performing God's will. Yeah. Not exactly. knowing. And yeah, because they, they um the and here in Luke he very much establishes the the historical time period in which Jesus is born with the mentioning of the various governors and Yeah, uh, Serenius, the one that everybody has a hard time pronouncing. Quirinius was, was, was the governor of, of, Syria. of Syria. So he pinpoints it historically. It, right. was, it was it was in history. This is not some just fictional right. thing. And you can document Jesus that, is a historical figure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And and people, you know, either love him or they hate him. But so in the so Jesus was called up out of Galilee to the city of uh, out of the city of Nazareth where he and Mary were, uh, to Judea, which was about ninety miles away. To the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because they were of the he was of the house and lineage of, of David, and so was she, as we learned last week, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So after you've ridden on a donkey for four or five days, ninety miles, I'm sure you're about ready to give birth to a baby right then. Um, so she brought forth her firstborn, and he doesn't give all the details of the, um, you know, how they found the place. But but we see at this point she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swelling clothes, laid him in a manger, uh, because there was no room for him in the inn. And if you talk about this as being the most, I mean, think about royalty here. How would royalty come into the world? The king, the king's son, or the king's daughter? There would be pomp and circumstance. There'd be uh, ladies in waiting. There'd be all kinds of entourages and celebrations and announcements and parties and. Paparazzi, and Jesus. (laughs) So there was no human pomp or circumstance surrounding the arrival of this most unusual gift, and and really Jesus Christ is the gift God the Father gave because He so loved the world that He gave us this gift of eternal salvation, which was basically the Lamb of God who was going to be slain for the sins of the world, who was going to give His precious and pure and uh, uncorrupted life for the lives for the for the uh, ransom of all of us to rescue us and ransom us from the devil. And you have to think of this too: is that Jesus came, the Son, uh, unto us a child is born, a son is given, and and remember the angels told the shepherds, he said, "Unto you, mm-hmm. for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord." So basically. The purpose of the a Savior is to set us free deep within our hearts, in our inmost being uh, as human beings, mm-hmm. to, to be just to be set free, to be set free from the control of sin, the control of the enemy, and brought in, you know, bringing in peace, like he's the prince of peace, yeah. uh, that he puts peace within our hearts. So he's going to the very heart of man. This mm-hmm. is God's plan to set us free in, in our and you know, inner being. the shocking thing is most of us don't even know we're bound and in, in, right. imprisoned. But, it, but he, you know, Luke does kind of allude to the fact, he says, and, they, and she wrapped him, he, he, she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for him in, in the inn. So he doesn't make a big deal out of the fact that they probably searched the town and there was no one, because there had been many pilgrims and travelers who had to come that well, the same town time. Was, the town was super crowded. Yeah, and so people were lo- taking up all the inn space, and of course they got there first because Mary and Joseph, I'm sure, were the last in the, in the line. But but so the provision of the father for his son to be born was no, it was was in secret. Actually, it was very obscure. It was hidden away. 
it was in secret in the most obscure place where you'd never expect a baby, a precious uh, king's son to be born. And it was for it was deliberate because it had to be so uh, because he had, you know, the announcement to the angels of the angels to the shepherds and stuff. It was all very hidden because of the danger, um, as we see within, uh, you know, in the little moment, in the moment of the stable, what was happening? A baby was being born. The little, the cows, the donkeys, the sheep were there. The little creatures, the creation Mm -hmm. of God were there to, uh, to witness the birth of the king. A few little animals got to warm him. They were the little, you know, space heaters that kept that place warm. And, and then the shepherds came and they were, um, amazed at the the message of the angel well you think of you think it's about almost can we say ridiculously lowly low i mean yeah. i mean is is humble it's off the birth, radar I totally mean, right in i mean in a in a little barn um yeah and then yet it was very obscure yet the most dramatic birth announcement ever mm-hmm. i mean the angels the paradoxes the, the glory of god uh, filled the the sky as as the angels announced. Well, they had to to the shepherds. Yeah, they to, had to make that announcement to someone because it had to be verified and confirmed by the Father in heaven. So he sent the messengers, the angels, to sing the song of uh, goodwill towards men, peace on earth. What a what a gift! And um, but the shepherds were those that didn't count. Their witness didn't count in the in the court of law, and so they were the ones who come to testify to Jesus. But again, you know. Um, he had to be obscured. He had to be concealed because he was being dropped, as so to speak, uh, in the dead of night in the absolute doorstep of Herod, um, who was in Jerusalem just a few miles away. And Herod was the most insane, jealous, um, murderous, Vile. murderous king. He even killed his own kids, his own wife, because he was so insecure, thought they'd steal his throne. He was an illegitimate king, but he was the king at the time um, and permitted to be so. So he, Jesus is brought forth in this, in this place. But it's interesting to note that um, the, the kings, the, the, the magi, the wise men, the kings we call them, um, they did not show up that night. They could not have showed up that night. There's an absolute perfect explanation for why they could not have showed up that night because... Um, number one, they were traveling from probably hundreds, if not a thousand miles away. Yes. And when they got to town, the first thing they did was check in with Herod. So they opened the, the you know, up his understanding to the fact that there had been some event that he had missed. A potential rival king. Right. And so when they, they searched the scriptures and they found out it was going to be in Bethlehem, well, within, I'm sure Herod didn't sleep on that. I'm sure within minutes he had his men, uh, and the plan was to go kill this baby. Now, they didn't know, obviously, how old the baby was. That's why they, they you know, capped it at two years, so they were going to kill anybody that had been born in the last two years, make sure they got everybody. But it's very interesting, as we see in Matthew, that um, they then, after they stopped at Herod's house and stirred everything up and got Herod in a tiz, um, they 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 got back on their camels and saw that the star the light led them to a house in Bethlehem and they found the babe there and they worshiped the babe there now this obviously they'd moved Joseph and Mary had moved from an inn to a, a house 
And the reason they did that was because um, they had to stick around there in Jerusalem. There was the purification rites and the circumcisions that had to be done, the circumcision the, within the, eight d- days. They did it at the temple. Right, and that was in Jerusalem. And so, and the, and her purification took 31 days. So Jesus was at least 31 days old. They probably, this is how I see it going down, they probably had just come back from the temple for the 31 days of purification for Mary. The king showed up. doesn't even say Joseph was there. It says they worshiped her, and he was maybe Joseph was out getting provisions. I don't know. Maybe he was there. We don't know that part. They offered their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And then um, that night, they all bedded down and, and took, a, took a sleep. Now, remember, they had just been at Herod's house probably within the last 24 hours. And so they were sleeping. Joseph went to sleep. They went to sleep. And they all had dreams. And Joseph's dream was to get Mary and get out of town. And it was in the middle of the night. And the kings, uh, the wise men, had a dream that they were supposed to go back another way. So they were supposed to avoid being um, found out by Herod or captured or re-questioned or whatever. And so in the morning, they all got up, or not even in the morning, I think Joseph went at night, and fled with the baby. Now, the baby was probably about a month old, and they had just gotten the gold, the the frankincense and the myrrh, so they had some traveling money, and they headed out to Egypt. And that's the last we hear of Jesus until um, when he shows up in the temple at age 12. Now, we do hear that he was came back, that they came back after they heard Herod was dead. But in the process, in the meantime, hundreds probably of little babies were killed. Their blood yeah. was shed um, to kill Jesus. So Jesus was in um, enemy territory, and his life had been threatened. And he didn't have, you know, a, a military escort. He didn't have, uh, you know... Um, uh, any kind of protection. This man, Joseph, all he knew how to do was drive a donkey and, you know, work with wood. And Mary, what's she going to be as far as protection for the baby? Um, and so they, they were protected by the elements, the, the cover of night, the secrecy, the silence. Um, they were hidden away. Uh, so God just moved them out of, you can imagine, they could have run into those so- soldiers, I'm sure. There was a way that God directed their path out of town that, exactly. that, that moved away from what the soldiers were coming in, uh, the soldiers that were coming in. So we see that God, it just seems like God does everything so dangerously backwards, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, of course, you know, Jesus was protected by the Father, you know, the mm-hmm. Heavenly Father. And um, yeah, so he's, he's, he's really comes from a refugee a refugee Background. family, yeah, right, and then and then coming to later on coming to uh, Nazareth, where well, he, yeah, where he grew up. He he fled his country like so many people have to flee their country. He was like you said a refugee living out of his homeland. Um, he then you know for thirty years we don't hear anything about Jesus at all, really, except for that one time in the temple. So for thirty years he's undercover. Working as a as a carpenter, as a, as a laborer, as a common man, just known by the townspeople as Jesus, the son of Joseph, and and you know there is no real astonishing, remarkable, suspicious things about him that would have caused anybody to even uh, check him out or trace him or follow him or or even hold him in any kind of regard. Mm-hmm. And later on, we just you know Joseph just. Sort of disappears. Mm-hmm. The husband of Mary disappears, and apparently, apparently he he passed away or something because you, you don't really hear from him. Um, you know, so Jesus was probably you know the oldest child, son of Mary, 
mm-hmm. because he had, uh, he had what three brothers and uh, at least three brothers, three or four brothers, and at three least or four two brothers, sisters, and then yeah. two and two sisters. So he least. was a, he had he he knew what it was like to live in a family. Oh well, yeah, to live in a. a Mary apparently became a widow, and so he's the oldest son. So he's helping provide right. for the family. So he has a Mar- real Mary was mm-hmm. caring for you know the kids and doing the household right. stuff. And back in those days, she just didn't go out and get a job, get a job or or anything. She worked at home, not from home, but at home. And uh, so he he knows he provided for the family for his brothers and sisters. He you know and yeah. and so he has a lot of experiences that. We don't think about, you know, p- kids who are, you know, say their father dies and they, they're they the oldest and they have to take care of the home. The mother, they have to, you know, take care of the farm, whatever they do. And th- so, and Jesus experiences as he suffered, he experienced uh, all, all of the things, things like, as we, like are, we have, have, yet without sin. Yeah, so we're just having to just stop and be so grateful, so appreciative, so shocked and so humbled by the humility of Jesus Christ, the the Son of God, who actually, in in all when all was said and done, he had only three and a half short years to pro, to bring the real clear message of the kingdom of God that he confirmed every day with wonderful, incredible miracles, signs and wonders and miracles, um, to verify and confirm the truth of what he was saying. So the truth, see, the thing is, in among Israel, the Israelites, and among the Gentiles, all everything about their ideas about God, religion, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all that stuff, they had gotten it, essentially gotten it all wrong. Yeah. All wrong. And Jesus had to come in and, and just, uh, how can I say, straighten it out. In other words, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, remember when he, yeah, he had to went, went into out. the mm-hmm. temple and he overturned the tables of the money changers and everything. But before that, the whole idea of who God is, what he, his compassion, his heart, what he wanted, his wisdom, his truth, what his he loss. really wants, uh, his, his, his true power, Jesus came to demonstrate that to us, to, in a really to, to, to correct our thinking, correct. Yeah. to bringing, bring us to the truth, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Even to this very day, he seems to be so, so such a contrary, contrast, uh, uh, obs- just somehow doesn't fit into the world system at all, and it's not hard even, for... Not even the, the world's uh, religious system. Right, exactly. The they've also rejected. Yep, they've also rejected him. They really have. They've used him to promote, many of them, their own um, versions of... Egos, the uh, gospel and empires, but Jesus Christ mm-hmm. never promoted empires. He only promoted the kingdom of God. And and you know, um, people either they love him or he he actually is the most hated man that ever lived. He is really yeah. the most misunderstood, the most lied about, the most cursed. You know, his name even is is the most used in in profanity. profanity. Yeah, he is the most. Um, despised, rejected. Um, talk about rejection. Talk about resistance. Talk about people not understanding. Talk about people going against you. Talk about uh, armies and forces and, and, and principalities and powers coming against this one man, God, the Son of God, um, to shut him down, 
to get him out of here to you know, because he came to me- he messed up everything Satan had mm-hmm. going, all of the systems, <laughs> all right. of the kingdoms, all of the bribery, even, even you right, the bloodshed, the blackmail, everything Satan had going to rule with injustice and unfairness and oppression. Satan had it all lined up and locked up, and then Jesus came and just busted in and just like in the temple, he just walked right in and he took it over and he just, he threw out those things that were not, that were defiling the temple. And then ultimately he met, he went into death itself yeah, and messed up him De- who has power of mm-hmm. death, that is to say the devil, and, and messed, messed up death even. Yeah, he, he defeated victory, death. Defeated yep. death. Yeah. He so, took on every sp- spirit, every principality, everything Satan had used he, to lock down the he earth. He took it all Satan, on. Satan, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ took it all on. And so not only was he the most hated man, and still is to this very day, the most feared and the most hated. The biggest threat to Satan's kingdom is Jesus Christ, his mm-hmm. name, his blood, his story, his, his victory over death and the grave, and the terror. You can imagine Satan's terror that this same Jesus who came and Satan missed him and messed up the first time and didn't get him killed in time, is the same one that is coming back very soon to restore the kingdom and take it away from Satan completely. It's been amazing for the last 2,000 years that, that the Lord God has permitted Satan to continue his work of, dis, uh, of, of resistance to him and hatred and perversion and corruption to try to deceive and destroy that which God has come to preserve and, and declare and save. So it's it's been this 2,000-year battle. So if you're weary of the battle, it's understandable. But we also need to know that in faith, by faith, and through the gift of hope and faith, we are more than conquerors, that Jesus Christ will keep the rest of the promise. We've got part one fulfilled, and now he's got part two that he will not leave us or forsake us. Mm-hmm. He will not leave us orphans. He is coming again to finish the work. Well, Jesus said, too, that if they hate me, they'll hate you. Mm-hmm. So I, I really the most probably the most hated people on earth are are believers in Jesus Christ. Probably you look at yeah. you know, Jewish people, uh, the the children of the ultimate promise of God, mm-hmm. and and then uh, the those who believe in in Jesus. Now the thing is that doesn't mean we <clears throat> we. Um, Put our tails between our legs and run away and 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 wait for Jesus li- to come back. Live yeah. like mm-hmm. we're uh, paranoid or something like that. Or defeated. Yeah. So, but though we are hated, mm-hmm. though we are hated by the world, uh, basically, when you when you really get down to talking, living for Jesus, mm-hmm. talking the right, it will draw right. fire. It, it will make it, you a target. It, it will draw fire. Yeah. But in all these things, Romans chapter 8 says that we, we are, are more, more than, than conquerors, conquerors through, him. through him who loved us. Yeah. So so the thing is, too, it's it's a moving forward, not becoming bitter, not becoming surprised. And that, oh, I can't or understand. I'm so nice. I'm so nice. And how come they don't like me? Well, you know, it's because, you know, people that are motivated by mm-hmm. the prince of this world, Satan, the small prince of this world, is temporary Illegitimate, illegal, despot, tyrant, all that stuff. So, so even though that we are opposed, we are overcomers. Right, and and this is where we need, we must look to the Word of God. You must ask the Lord to give you courage and faith to keep 
believing him to rest in his finished work because that's the key to know that we abide in him. He abides in us, his word and his power. He says, if you, he says, he says, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. So we're free from the fear and from the intimidation and from the lies and the chaos and the confusion of the enemy. Even though he buffets every one of us daily in many ways, we're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loved us. And because this is temporary down here and this is our time of uh, testing, actually it is our time of testing but it is also God's time of testing. He is being tested every day by Satan, who is challenging him to be to to, to um, challenge him to see if he can uh, hold or keep us in the faith as Satan buffets us with everything he's got. But the Lord God is faithful to keep us and to keep that which we've committed to Him against the day. So. If your days are evil and their days are hard, then continue and renew your commitment to keeping committing yourself, your life, to God to keep you because he loves you. And don't fall for the lies that God has abandoned us. God is right here in the very midst of us, and God already told us so many of the things that we already now are living through and experiencing. God already gave us strong um, uh, evidences uh, and things, prophetic words, to tell us that we would be here these days, and we are in these days when Jesus Christ is about to return. And you go, if we go back to Isaiah chapter nine and verses six and seven. Right now, right now for us, for those of us who know Him, He is wonderful. Mm. He's the wonderful counselor. He's our, our uh, advisor. He's the one who brings us truth, wisdom, counsel, truth, and mm-hmm. wisdom. He's the mighty God. He He is. Prevails. Able to do far exceedingly abundantly because, uh, above. above all that we <laughs> ask yes. or think according to the power that works in us. He's our everlasting Father. Mm-hmm. He's the one who gives us birth and gives us life, and he protects us and he Forever. provides for us. And he's the Prince of Peace. He's the Chief of Peace. And even though that we're in this world where it, Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace, but I come to bring a sword. In other words, he's talking about it outwardly because there's division because of Jesus, mm-hmm. but yet there is peace. There is peace in our hearts mm-hmm. because of our right relationship with him. And he's he's on the throne of David. God told David yeah. that he's going to be, there's going to, he's going to rule. Out of, through his, his human lineage, mm-hmm. uh, there is going to be a king that's going to rule forever and ever and ever. And of course, this is Jesus. And the very best news is that of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And as you said, he will sit upon the throne of David to order it and establish it with with judgment and justice, probably the two things we most crave outside of peace. And for from this time forward, even forever, the Lord, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. The zeal of God himself will bring this to pass, just like it was the zeal of God himself that kept this promise alive for 4,000 years, brought it to pass, you know, carried it out, um, completed the mission of the first part of this uh, rescue operation, and the zeal of the Lord will perform it. And the two last verses I would like to have us think about are also in Isaiah chapter 9, he says, For you, God, have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, and the rod of his oppressor, yes. as the day, as in the, as in the days of Midian. So he's saying that we are going to be set free from that rod of oppression, um, and it shall come to pass in chapter ten, verse twenty-seven. In that day, 
What day is that? I would see it's the day of the return of the Lord. That his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck. And the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. So there's a, a, a freedom, a liberty, a deliverance, healings being broken right now, Father, off the necks, the heads, the shoulders, the yokes of bondage and fear. Yes. And Satan has put upon so many of God's people. We break them off now in the name of in Jesus name Christ. In the name of Jesus. That these burdens will be broken, I mean, the, the burden off their shoulder, off their necks. Yes. The weariness. Now, in the name yes, of Jesus. Yes, now, let it be done. in the name of Jesus. Let them be free. We loose them, Father, for your kingdom's service and for the harvest. In Jesus' name, amen. And by the way, check it out, liferecovery.com for um, various blessings and blogs and books. And um, our newest and most exciting thing is the audio drama called um, God on Trial, which is a 28-episode audio going through the very story of Jesus Christ coming to the earth and Satan's uh, intense actions to stop him. So we bless you. Have a very Merry Christmas a blessed family gatherings. May the Lord's blessing of peace be upon you. In Jesus' name. Amen. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.